Whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, either way, my wife used lyrics from the last five years in her wedding vows. So there we are. And we've been married ever since. Um, tonight we're talking about the last five years right here on the movie musical Shakedown. Let's get it going, folks. Kitchen! All right. You, sir, how about a chef? And in the end, should someone die? <laughs> My arms complete. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're poking bad. I hold a PhD in horribleness. See you at the aftermath. Peace. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Whenever you folks are listening to this podcast, I am really glad that you are. We're talking tonight about all things the last five years. One of my favorite musicals of all time, uh, without a doubt. I have not been shy about that opinion throughout the years on the blog. I've shared that opinion many times over, uh, that this is one of my favorite musicals of all time because uh, when you talk about the songs themselves, the story that they tell, I mean, just everything kind of comes together perfectly. And it's a perfect performance piece as well where if... For anybody out there who says that, you know, there's no true acting and, and incredible performances in musical theater when it comes to the acting side, um, I would throw this musical up there to show you that it absolutely is possible to give a amazing acting performance in a musical because this is one of those pieces that demands it. So um really excited to be talking about this movie musical tonight. I've got a great co-host with me, uh, Aaron Shaughnessy, a good friend of mine, Um and the reason I wanted Erin on this podcast is that she is someone that I think gives just really insightful thoughts and opinions about everything under the sun. Honestly, I, I, I'm not making that up uh, when I say that, whether it's about a musical, whether it's about theater, whether it's about life in general. Erin's um, got some really great opinions and, and thoughtful opinions, and I thought she would be perfect uh, to be on this podcast. So we're going to bring her on in just a minute. Uh, but this is a movie that... You know, when they announced it, I was a little trepidatious about how it would look because obviously with the way that the story flows in this uh, piece, it doesn't necessarily translate the best to film. Um, And I think that when you look at the final product, um, you could see successes and you could see failures in that regard. But overall, I really liked it. A lot of people really liked it. Um, A lot of people didn't like it. So, uh, but this was actually came out 2014 smack dab in the middle of the kind of musical movie, musical explosion of, of big spectacle. I mean, we had Les Mis, we had Into the Woods, we had Sweeney Todd, we had all this stuff, Mamma Mia. I mean, just big, big musicals. And here comes this very kind of almost independent film looking movie musical. And we'll be talking a lot about that during the podcast as well. Um, but again, I, some really great opinions that I'm really looking forward to hearing um, Aaron's thoughts on it as well. But uh, before we get to that, here's the trailer. Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. Jamie's decided it's time to move on. Jamie has new dreams he's building upon And I'm still hurting Did I just hear an alarm start ringing? Did I 
see sirens go flying past. I've got a singular impression things are moving too fast. Pretty good, right? I've never been more attracted to you. I could wander Paris after dark, take a carriage ride through Central Park, but it wouldn't be as nice as a summer in Ohio, where I'm sharing a room with a former stripper and her snake. I love you, Wayne. Oh my God. Look at me. Go. It's, it's not it's, 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 Kathy. Kathy, stop! Until I crawl to your door, and I will be waiting. I have been waiting for you. We are back, and I am joined now by my good friend, Aaron Shaughnessy. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast to talk about this really interesting movie that I don't, I'm still not 100% sure if it worked as a movie, but how are you doing, first of all? I'm doing well. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure, my pleasure. And, and you know, the reason why I obviously wanted you um, on this podcast, um, and also this this movie in particular, because it does... In my mind, it brings up a lot of great arguments and, and points, and there's a lot of you know different topics we can talk about when it comes to this movie. And and you are someone that I know, first of all, has seen this movie um, many <laughs> <Yeah>. times, um, <laughs> and is also you know a general fan of of the, of the show. Um, but also someone I think could really give some really great insight in terms of basically all the different types of uh, I guess angles that you're looking at this this movie from, whether it's from um, you know Kathy's. Uh, perspective jamie's perspective i mean you you're very insightful when it comes to these types of things which is why i thought you'd be perfect for this this podcast well thank you um yeah i i tend to look at every perspective uh when i'm I'm watching any type of musical or show um because i want to try to understand it on a whole and uh i think that this is definitely it was an interesting interesting show to do as a musical movie Mm. um I, I was afraid that it wasn't really going to work when I first heard that they were going to do it. But um, well, I guess we'll get into that. We'll get into that, yeah. So let me ask you this. Starting off, just real quick, I mean, what were your initial reactions or, or first experiences, I should say, to the actual musical itself? Like, when did you start hearing about the last five years? So uh, when I was, like, uh, I don't know, I think it was when I first started going to theater works in New Milford for the theater works kids program, they were doing the show there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was a kid. So I've known about this show since I was about seven or eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. For me, it was one of those, like, 
I it was one of those shows that you kind of constantly heard people talking about, like, oh, have you mm-hmm. heard have you heard this show? Like, and it almost felt like you had to be like you were kind of like the cool in the know, if right. you <laughs> if you knew the last five years. Um, and also, hell hath no fury if you spoke badly about hell <laughs> the last five years to some people. Um, I remember yeah. getting into a lot of fights with people about like this this show, but um, I loved it from the get go. And just like you, I mean, when I heard that they were making a movie. Uh, version of this the first thought that i was went through my head was how 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 can they make this work um but like i said we're gonna we're gonna get into that um just some general notes about the movie i mean the cast very simple i mean you've got anna kendrick right at kind of her peak so to speak Mm -hmm. i still i still think she hasn't really come down from her peak yet but really as like the the Pitch Perfects and her Academy Award nomination, all that stuff. You've got Anna Kendrick at the perfect timing. Um, and then also Jeremy Jordan playing Jamie um, as well. Uh, Aaron, what were your first thoughts when you saw that these two were, were being cast in these roles? Um, I was, you know, I, I was excited to see Jeremy Jordan doing something um, on the big screen. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge film, but um, I, I love Jeremy Jordan. Uh, and I think that he's, definitely underrated i know he was was he on smash yeah for yeah he was on smash mm-hmm. so it, it was nice to see him gain a little bit more traction um with newsies and everything going on and he's kind of you know rising to the top um because he's a he's like a powerhouse talent and then anna kendrick uh it was funny because i remember seeing her for the first time in twilight mm. and uh you know you don't expect someone like that in a role like that to go so far and go so fast right i mean when pitch perfect came out she just kind of like rocketed to the sky so um i was interesting to interested to see how she was going to do it Uh, i was uh i was definitely um surprised to see that they cast anna kendrick because i thought they would go with someone who's a little bit more broadway Mm -hmm. than she is i know she was on broadway but someone who had a little bit more of a base in broadway right Um, right but you know, I'm sure they wanted to get the uh, the audience to be interested in seeing it as well, and she definitely pulls in an audience. Definitely, and you know what's funny is that like when they announced the the casting, the first thought that I went through my head was like, oh, they're too young. Like I always imagined that cast being about uh, I would say five to ten years older than they yeah. were in the movie. Um, so that was my initial concern. I mean, I knew that Anna Kendrick could sing. I knew Jeremy Jordan can sing. Um, that was not, that was never the issue, but it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, the age is kind of weird. Um, and also the look was kind of, you know, interesting as well, because I mean, here we're getting, you know, blonde Anna Kendrick, which yeah, <laughs> only movie she's done that for. So again, you know, to obviously make it the extra point that she is not uh, Jewish <laughs> driving yeah. home because she's blonde. Um, right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, no real objections. I, I would say that there, I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not buying into this um, at all uh, with either of those roles. So yeah, it was an interesting yeah. cast. I mean, but what was interesting for me was that like you mentioned smash with Jeremy Jordan. And the funny thing was like, I, I watched that show uh, pretty religiously uh, because you know, it's, it's like that, it's that world that I love to be in. But yeah, um, he was so unlikable on that show as his character was just so unlikable um, that I just, I've actually ever since then had like a real, I don't want to say a trouble liking him in anything else, but there's always that thought in the back of my head of like him, that him and that character. Oh, poor Jeremy Jordan. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, Oh my God, he's playing Jack in, in Newsies, which is like the yeah. ultimate great role. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I still gotta, still gotta get over the hump from smash. 
um, <laughs> with you. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, it, it's it's an interesting uh, casting on that end. Just some real cool factoids about this movie. I mean, the movie was made on a $2 million budget. It was shot actually in less than a month uh, in around New York City. So it wasn't a long production process at all. Um, but it was officially released on September 14th, excuse me, September 7th, 2014, um, and it grossed $145,000. So it didn't do well. Yeah. <laughs> in the box. But then again, it really didn't get much of a release. It was kind of one of those, this is going to be like a, kind of a, not a straight to video, because that's obviously, you know, we've, we've passed that era, but straight to like streaming networks and on demand and things like it was not going to be a, a, a movie theater event, so to speak, um, on that end. And I was actually kind of disappointed because I was looking forward to it coming out and I had no idea where I could see it. Did you Did you get a chance to see this in the theaters? I didn't, no. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, like, if you can find someone who has, I, I want to shake their hand. I mean, it's like, where, <laughs> where, where did you see this movie? Oh my gosh. Um, and obviously, you know, it didn't get um incredibly strong reviews i mean it got a 59 percent from rotten tomatoes which is considered like you know average to good but i mean it, it didn't overall get strong reviews which i actually um had some disagreements with about mainstream critics but um we'll get into that a little bit later um as well um the next section I like to always like to bring up in these podcasts is called uh production hell um uh, where basically uh we talk about <laughs> kind of any juicy tidbits about what things that happened during the making of the film, whether it was um, just a struggle to get it made to begin with or any backstage drama and things like that. And I didn't actually find a lot um, with this movie. It was actually pretty straightforward and it seemed to be kind of like a, a labor of love for a lot of these people that were involved with it. Um, but a couple kind of cool tidbits here that I, I think you might be interested in, Aaron, is that First of all, eleven of the fourteen songs are songs are actually sung live uh, in the movie. I don't know if people knew that, um, wow. and I didn't know that the first time I saw it. I didn't know that they were singing live in most of those numbers. But um, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And now looking back on it and, and rewatching it again, I definitely picked up on that um, the second time through. How about did you did you catch on any of those things when you were watching it again? No, I I I I, I was wondering about that actually because. Um, I mean, obviously it was edited in the studio, but they, you know, if you have like lip syncing and stuff, it's usually kind of noticeable mm -hmm. and that's not something I really picked up on, but I, I wouldn't imagine they would, they would sing it live. That's, they don't, they never do that. I know. Right. I, I can only think of a couple of times that that's actually happened and, uh, they actually kind of mention it in this movie and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a second, but interestingly enough. So yeah, they sang live in, in 11 of these 14 songs. Um, songs like, uh, if I didn't believe you in you, which is one continu continuous, um, camera move, Jeremy Jordan actually sang that 14 times straight through. Um, who knows what, what number take we got in the final product. Um, and then in the opening number of, of still hurting, Anna Kendrick actually sang that 17 times over five different camera setups. So when you think about musical rehearsals and the amount of times we're performing, I mean, to perform that song 17 times in a row is I, I mean vocal stamina i don't know how you do it i'm not much of a singer aaron i know you sing a lot um, and have performed in, in a number mm -hmm. of musicals can you i mean can you imagine singing a song like that 17 times in a row 
you know, it really kind of just makes my voice feel tired thinking about it. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I'm sweating just thinking of it. Oh have, my god! Have yeah. you ever had? A, have you ever had a moment like that where you're you're being forced to sing a powerful song like that in multiple times over? I uh, I was in Hair. I played Sheila mm. a few years back, and uh, I I remember my director was was like super. I don't want to say kind of harsh, but he made me work on that on Easy to Be Hard a lot, and. Um, I mean, I sang that song a couple of times, like, in a row every day mm. for, like, a couple of weeks on end because it was just one of those uh, productions where it was like, all right, well, we're putting this show up in less than a month, so we got to get our butts in gear. Right. And, um, you know, I was just singing my butt off, and I just remember being so tired, and it was so important to stay hydrated. I just, like, thinking about having to sing I'm Still Hurting that many times is mind-boggling i'm a lot more <laughs> impressed with it than i was before i mean <laughs> not that it was bad just, yeah it's crazy i mean just there are just moments in that song where she's just giving it everything she's got and mm -hmm. um i just to do that 17 times in a row I, I just can't even imagine um in the original version of climbing uphill kathy sings why am i working so hard these are people that cast linda blair in a musical that's the actual original lyric from the musical itself but in the movie version um they they switched it to Russell Crowe, um, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was an interesting choice because Les Mis, the movie Les Mis had just come out two years earlier, and that was also a famously um, production film where they sung live in the actual film um, mm -hmm. while they were making it, and obviously it, it didn't work out uh, for some of the cast members like Russell Crowe. Right. So I thought that was an interesting change. Um yeah, I, I mean, it, it's one of those little things. They changed ly lyrics here and there, a little bit lyrics here and there, but um, that I thought was a nice little cool dig towards towards Les Mis on that end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another depressing change that they made, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, in the original um, uh, My Summer in Ohio, the song My Summer in Ohio, uh, Anna Kendrick sings that she saw, uh, in the original lyrics, uh, Kathy sees James Book in a Borders in Kentucky, but by the time that they made this movie, Borders had actually gone bankrupt and closed, so they changed they the lyrics. They said Target. They said yeah. Target. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It was it was one of those like oh I I didn't catch that the first time I saw it, and of course I caught it now, and I was like, that's depressing. Oh <laughs> like, man, that hurts. And it, it's it's sad to think that people are thinking of book sales in Target now, which is even worse. Oh my god. I mean, ugh, kills me. Kills me. Kills me. Kills yeah. me. Because I used to love going to Borders, but oh me too. <laughs> um. Other cool notes that I found out about this movie, when Kathy's actually singing her audition of uh, When You Come Home to Me, she's actually standing on the set of Avenue Q. I don't, did you see that? Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was watching and I was like, wait, those that, that apartment lineup looks familiar. Um, I recognize those garbage cans. Anywhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, uh, the, the uh, set of, of Avenue Q was graciously donated, I guess, uh, to uh, the the filming, they actually filmed it at New World Stages on West Fiftieth. Um, so yeah, the, you've got <laughs> you've got Avenue Q in the background there. Um, and then here's where it gets interesting. I mean, like we said before, I mean this was an interesting movie to make in or musical to make into a film because you've got two different storylines that are moving in two different directions. And to try to like make it obvious to the audience, the filmmakers. Uh, when they were designing the film, lighting the film, costuming the film, um, everything, the, the lighting changes depending upon where each person is in their story. So, for instance, when the 
uh, relationship is in the beginning. Everything's bright and vivid. And as you get towards the end, everything gets really darker and grayer and bleaker. And then hopefully the goal was to help make the audience understand that. Now, Aaron, let me ask you this. Taking our knowledge out from, you know, um, how this musical actually is in terms of its staging, do you think the average viewer got that as they were watching this film? Or do you think there was something else could have been done to make it a little bit more obvious? Um, I think that, I mean, as I watched it the second time, I watched it the second time around, I um, thought, I, I really noticed that they changed the set and they changed uh, the apartment to make it look less, you know, homey. And I think that was well translated. I just don't think like the first time around, it's really in your face. The colors do get muted, um, even the costume design and everything as time goes on. Um, so it's a really nice, subtle way of, of doing that. And it's not like you know, everything's sad now. Let's just make the camera black and white. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't really think that there was a more subtle or tasteful way to do that and make it like not make it too obvious and kind of like in your face. So I think they did a pretty decent job with it. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where it, it, I, I kind of as I was watching, I'm like, how else other than colors and lighting and things like that? I mean, you can't really put like a subtitle at the bottom saying like, no, it's time for Jamie's side and then it's Kathy's side because that's just too on the nose and you're treating your audience like they're idiots at that point. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting way to see how they 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 did that, especially since you know with the original stage show, um, these characters never interact with each other unless mm -hmm. until that wedding scene. So. Um, to have them constantly be in each other's presence in the movie, um, it definitely was a challenge. But I think you, I agree with you 100%. I think they did as bad as a good job as they possibly could with, uh, with that type of storytelling device um, on that end. Um, when it comes to casting close calls, nothing really here to report. I mean, when you've got Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan signed on to do a film, those are pretty much your first choices. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they probably had some backups just in case. But um, just some cool other people that I saw briefly in this movie that I thought was pretty cool. I mean, um, I don't know if you caught this, but um, uh, playing the former stripper in her snake is, is Broadway star Betsy Wolf, uh, which I thought was a kind of a cool little nod there because she had mm -hmm. played uh, Kathy in a, in a previous production of, of uh, last five years. Um, during one of Kathy's auditions, you can see Sherry Renee Scott, who's the original Kathy, uh, from the off-brother production, giving her some encouragement, saying that was you know great job, um, and then also what I thought was kind of a cool cameo as well was the pianist. The why does this pianist hate me? Um, she's that's Jason Robert Brown playing the piano, which I thought was <laughs> even better. I don't know if you caught that as well, um, but yeah. So Jason Robert Brown is actually in the show, uh, in the movie, um, reacting very, very badly to Kathy singing, which I also got a little kick out of as well seeing that. So kind of cool, cool cameos of people that we've been. Uh, worked on this show previously, obviously the creators of it. So um, those were some cool things um, there as well. So let's move on. So Aaron, give me some general thoughts that you had about this film. Like for instance, you know, did when upon rewatching it, did you like it more than you you did previously? Uh, anything that you noticed before? Any just general thoughts about the movie overall? So um, I, I think that the show definitely uh, resonated with me more watching it recently uh, than it had initially because I'm, you know, I'm only 23 years old. I've only been in one relationship in my life and I had never really been through a breakup before and I just recently went through one. So, mm. you know, it doesn't make me like the show more, but it makes me understand it. Um, I already liked the show to begin with, but it just kind of um, makes more sense on that level. Right. Um, and 
it makes the characters, you know, more easily identifiable, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I paid closer attention to it this time around um, because every time the you see things starting to go downhill between uh, Jamie and Kathy, I, I always kind of um, tune out a little bit because I don't want to see it happen. Um, but I forced myself to pay attention, and I uh, picked up on a lot on a lot more uh, with the performances. I was really like amazed with how Jeremy Jordan translated to screen this time because when I just watched Newsies recently, he was so over the top and campy, and just mm -hmm. you have to be on stage. Mm -hmm. But you know, I uh, he it was nice to see him play a real character because the accent in Newsies almost killed me, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was I was definitely um, definitely impressed with with that translation to screen and how he like came down to earth and was more believable as a person. And Anna Kendrick is just you know she's Anna Kendrick. She's genuine in everything she does, and you feel like her heart's really in it all the time. Right, right. You know, it's funny you say that. It's about how it personally resonated with you. Obviously, you know, with the timing of your of the ending of your own relationship. You know, for me. What's weird is that I use lyrics from this this show as part of my wedding vows, um, and I don't know if that's ever if that's a good th luck thing or a bad luck thing. We'll we'll see. I've been married now for almost nine years, so hopefully, knock on wood, it was knock a good sign. <laughs> yeah, but I've needless to say, every time I watch this movie or I listen to this score, I think about that. I'm like, oh my god, did we make the right choice in lyrics? But um, yeah, I, it was one of those movies where. I, I looked at it, and this was coming at a time you know, in 2014 when we just had Les Mis, like Into the Woods was you know, already kind of on its way, I think at that point, or, or already just come out, um, and Mamma Mia had come out already, so musicals were big, they were boisterous, they had a lot of choreography, um, basically trying to create spectacle on screen, and what I liked about this movie was the quiet intimacy of it. Um, yeah, simplicity. Yeah, it didn't look like a music, a movie musical. It looked like an independent film that just happened to have characters singing. Um, and I like, I like that every single number was in it, and we'll talk about that a little bit more too. I mean, you know, you've got basically all the content in there that you would want. But to your point, I mean, the performances. You know, I, I just, just like you said, I was really impressed with Jeremy Jordan here. And again, I haven't really been impressed, I should say, with a lot of his work before this. Um, since then, he's actually done some really strong things out there as well. But um, it was one of those things where, wow, okay, this is—he's really kind of coming into his own now as a performer. And I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to say this is the best Anna Kendrick performance we've ever had. Yeah. I mean, when you look at some of her other roles, yes, she was nominated for an Oscar for Up in the Air. But when you look at the emotional range and the nuance of this performance versus that performance, there's no contest for me. Right. Um, she really brings it. Um, what are your thoughts on Anna Kendrick in, in this part, per se? I, I I was, you know, like I said, a little apprehensive at first because I thought she, you know, they were casting her for, um, you know, the audience poll. But I always liked her as a performer, and I think that she just found all of the perfect levels for everything in this film, which was, you know, really impressive to me because it, it's hard to do, and it's such like an emotionally emotional roller coaster of a of a story and she carried it so well and she's i mean it's just her and jeremy jordan and um it was nice to just see her do her thing kind of like just go for it and she really did well 
Mm, definitely. And you know what's interesting is that you know as soon as the the final scene was over, I actually found myself going back and starting the movie over again, um, just to kind of see that that whole scene of of you mm-hmm. know Jeremy Jordan leaving and her finding the note and stuff like that, and kind of playing that through. And I was just like, oh my god, it just changes your perspective on the entire show when you do something like yeah. that. Um, but um, really, really interesting uh, on that end. Um, also, what I liked about this movie too was. Um, again, the design, I mentioned this before, the design of it was so cool. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast too. But um, just again, you're, it was kind of like that anti-movie musical almost mm-hmm. like, as opposed to everything else that we've been seeing, which I think is fantastic. So let's move on. Let's talk about our next section. Let's, as you know, I mean, with any movie musical, there has to be four elements that have to be, I think, hitting on all cylinders to make it a successful movie musical. And that's, of course, the singing, the dancing the acting and design. So what we like to do now is obviously go and, and talk about each of these uh, categories and Aaron and I will rate what we feel, um, it, one, one being the worst, 10 being the best, of wh- how each singing, dancing, acting rated in this film. So Aaron, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Singing-wise, give me your, your rating and, and reasons why. Go ahead. So I'm going to give it um, an 8. Nice. Because... Uh, you know, it was nice to see people who are trained singers to be, you know, in an actual movie musical rather than somebody who's just there for the, you know, um, attention and the audience grab. But um, I think that there, you know, there were times I, I wish that they hadn't edited uh, Anna Kendrick's voice so much in the studio mm-hmm. because sometimes it sounded a little bit too auto-tuned, um, which is something that like, I just wanted to hear her singing without having it edited at all which is what you get in a broadway performance or a live performance and i think that that would have been um i mean you have to have some editing but um when you edit over edit it takes away from the performance and sometimes her emotions didn't match her voice Mm. um in in my opinion and that's just the way that i I saw it because i was like it's like wow that just sounds a little bit a little bit different than what i would expect to hear from her um but you know she wasn't bad she she carried it really really well um and Jeremy Jordan, I mean, his voice is Broadway perfect, so <laughs> I can't really say much about that. Um, and I think that his his voice has just got like he's got a tone that's clear as water. So and there's not a whole lot um, there that can be improved. Yeah. But I, I know that they're you know I just thought it, they were pretty great. Um, I wouldn't give them anything less than an eight. There you go. You know I'm I'm actually right there with you. I give them a nine. And and the reason I did was. As opposed to a lot of their previous roles, whether it's the Pitch Perfect films or with Newsies and, and Joyful Noise and Smash that, with Jeremy Jordan, um, what I liked was that they put like real raw emotions into their voices uh, in this one. And it sometimes would obviously change their delivery. It wouldn't make it as pretty and, and, and clean okay. and things like that. So I noticed little things here and there that I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's where we got a powerful you know, performance moment rather than trying to make it sound good as opposed to other right. movie musicals and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I gave it a nine. Um, for dancing, um, I'm going to, I'll start off with this one. I actually, this is the first time I've ever done this. I put non-applicable. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's what one, one number and it's the summer in Ohio scene. Right. Right. And I mean, two, I mean, I don't want to take away credit from Michelle Lynch who, who choreographed this film and choreographed a lot of other things. But um, yeah, there's there. I mean, you're talking about one number and it's not even the entirety of the number. It's just like they're dancing in the background, rehearsing for 
that musical. Um, and it's, you know, nice choreography, but I mean, it's, I don't, for me, it was not enough to actually give it a rating. Um, yeah. I'm wondering about how did, did you feel the same or? Uh, exactly. I, I was, uh, I mean, I thought Anna Kendrick carried her, herself pretty well during that number as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's, she's a great dancer, but th- it wasn't hard choreography really, um, in my mind. So, no. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it was just like, okay, this is happening now. And then, uh, now it's over. And that wasn't a whole lot of choreography. <laughs> right. Right. It was, a, it was a, like box step, box step, you know, kickball change yeah. and then you're done. And it was like a lot of know, arm dancing, a lot of arm <laughs> dancing. There you go. A lot of great arm movement there, but yeah, you're right. I mean, no dancing. So both of us, non-applicable on the dancing. Um, Aaron, how about on the acting side? What, what did you give it and why? Um, I, I would probably put it at a nine and a half um, because, you know, there's always there's always room for improvement. I, you know, I'll never give anything a perfect 10, I don't think. But um, uh, as far as movie musicals go, I think that this was probably had the most raw and genuine acting I've seen um, to date. I mean, I haven't seen anything that really compares to the level of emotions that were portrayed by Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan in this production. So, um, you know, nine and a half. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm right there with you. I give it a nine as well. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I think this is hands down the best Anna Kendrick performance we've gotten f- from her mm-hmm. from, in any film that she's done. Um, and I, I'd say the same thing for Jeremy Jordan. They're just firing on all cylinders, um, really giving it all they have and there are specific numbers i mean whether it's still hurting where it's like oh my god like just the like you believe everything that you're seeing on screen when she's you know after she's read the letter and she's just sitting there um talking about the end of her relationship it's just it's heartbreaking just looking at her um and then the same thing with jeremy jordan in the end with him uh with no one else needs to know that number which by the way i love the way they shot that um mm-hmm. as kind of just one continuous shot with different women coming into the frame um, again, just, you could just see it on his face. So yeah, I, I gave it a nine too, because I just think this is, I think, I mean, people can come at me if they want, but I think this is the strongest acted movie musical that we've probably had in the past 20 years. It's, it's right up yeah. there. So, um, you can't, I, I don't think there's much, you know, argument against that. So, um, design wise, again, interesting movie for design. So, uh, Aaron, I'm curious to hear what you think about the design of, of this film. So I, I think that um, to give it a number rating, it's kind of hard because uh, it's such a – I mean, it was so simplistic at times, and then other times it, it felt like you were actually there in New York, um, you know, at a, at a book launch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they, had, they found really good levels with that. I thought the costume design was pretty perfect because, you know, it matched everything that it needed to be. Um, I think that the actual, like – director of photography did a, a great job being able to capture they did some pretty brilliant things like you were talking about with jeremy jordan and the girls coming into the the different shots and stuff that was pretty great um and pretty intelligently done so i think that they did a, a great job i guess i'll give it an eight an eight or nine yeah, yeah I, I think in terms of design I mean, it, it, this is a tough movie because there's not really like a need for big set pieces there's not that number where it becomes this kind of abstract kind of Chicago thing where a lot of stuff happens in your head where you would need like a big set piece and stuff like that. I mean, you saw a little bit of that in summer in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's really about it. But other than that, I mean, it's on a two million, $2 million budget. You're not really going to do a lot in terms of spectacle and design, but I thought what they did worked really well. Like I thought the next 10 minutes, that entire sequence was gorgeous. 
yeah. uh, in the way that they shot that. Um, also, um, you know, um, I can do better than that is another song that's like a number one that's that's happening is is incredible in terms of design where they're driving through the country and all that. I mean, just it's amazing. So again, um, I think for what they for the budget that they had to work with. Really, really strong design. I, I gave it an eight as well because, again, it just you, you really are taking. I mean, New York looks great in this movie. <laughs> yes, New yeah. York. New York looks fantastic in this movie, and that's that's really. I mean, it's that's when they filmed it in the summer. Um, that's not hard to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, and more importantly, it felt like New York. Yeah, it didn't feel false at all. I mean, I. I can when they were walking through Central Park, you're like you're there, you know what that is. And you when she's walking down the street on Broadway, like you've been there and you've seen that, and yeah. that's exactly what it's like. Like it felt very real, um, especially during the audition like, sequences. Yeah, during, when she was yeah. auditioning, like that felt. I've been in those rooms. Like I, I've seen, yeah. you know, it's like what that process is like. So yeah, no, it's they nailed a lot of that, which I thought was really cool um, as well. Absolutely. Before we move on, Aaron, let me ask you this. When you're watching this movie, I, I I had a couple of feelings and thoughts that came up. To, and I should have probably mentioned this earlier, but I'll mention it now. Um, is Kathy wrong in this movie? Um, I don't I don't know. I you know, I started to dislike Jeremy Jordan's character. I started to dislike. Um, oh God, I can't believe it. Just totally blanked. Um, Jamie. Uh, Jamie. 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 Yes, Jamie. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and and. La La Land or whatever, but <laughs> uh, I, I disliked his character um, as he started to to cheat on uh, Kathy because you know that's just something that I don't know as personally, it's something that I don't think is excusable. If you have an issue with your relationship, you should be able to to talk about it with the right. other person. But my my main problem with the show on a whole is that you don't see how they fell in love. They're mm. kind of already, you know, in the in the beginning when he's singing uh Shook's the goddess he's there's, there's a lot of lust there and you know they they clearly want each other but there seems like there's really no basis for our relationship we don't get to see that at all so it just seems like two people who are together for the sake of being together and you know she's supportive of him and he's you know whatever's kind of supportive of her to a certain extent but he's more concerned about his dreams and it doesn't seem like at any point they really mesh um except for in the Shmuel song where he is feeling like he really um, is supporting her and is there for her. But it just, mm-hmm. just doesn't feel like it's, it's, it seemed like a one-sided relationship for both of them because they both want things for themselves, but not for each other. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And as I was watching this, I'm like, what is Kathy actually doing? That's wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Jamie's eyes, you could say that like, okay, she's not supporting me the same way I'm, 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 supporting her but from the outside looking in it's like no she's she's just panicking the fact that she's failing in her career and you know you're you're just you know uh you know shooting through the stars um and she's just you know trying to make it to this world as well and it's just one of those things where i'm like watching this i'm like oh my god jamie's jamie's kind of the bad guy in this movie like he's he's kind of a villain and he and there's and obviously the infidelity that you see at the end, I'm like, that was completely unwarranted. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, Kathy was denying him or, or not paying attention to him. And, you know, any any type of, you know, reasoning that, that men have to do that kind of stuff outside their marriage that they typically give, you know, excuses for. But again, like, it's like there wasn't any reason for that. So it, no. it, it was just one of those like, oh, wow, yeah, you're you're kind of a jerk. And what I thought was interesting was that when, when Jason Robert Brown wrote this musical – 
you know, he was basing it off of his own failed marriage. Um, and I, I always, I started wondering, I'm like, oh my God, did, did Jason Robert Brown, as he's creating this project uh, and creating this musical, kind of saying like, yeah, it was me. Like, I'm, I'm the bad guy here. You know, it was, yeah. it was really interesting to watch it um, back again and, and, and seeing all that um, as well. So again, yeah, just a really weird thing where I was like, oh my God, Jamie's a jerk. <laughs> which I thought was yep. pretty interesting. Um, moving on. Another section that we do here on this podcast is numbers that we could do with, um, without basically saying like what numbers that are in the show that, you know, probably are in the, in the movie that probably need to be there. Um, but also what numbers that we needed. Cause obviously sometimes with movie musicals, because these things can't be three hours long, stuff's going to get left on the cutting room floor. This is an interesting movie, however, because um, first of all, there's only 14 songs in the entire show to begin with. And all 14 we're in this movie. So I guess, Aaron, I mean, when it comes to numbers we needed, um, nothing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we got them all. We got them all. <laughs> all of our bases covered. But let me ask you this. Numbers that we could do without. Or are there any songs um, in this musical that you feel that, like, I eh, probably could have done without that particular song and maybe another one in its place or maybe just not have a, a song to describe that moment? Have any of those things thoughts came up during uh, watching this movie or listening to the show? So I was thinking about this, and um, the majority of the songs that are, I mean, pretty much every single song moves the plot along Mm -hmm. and tells you the story of what's happening. I think they're all pretty necessary, except for the Shmuel song, but I think that's in there to show, you know, Jamie's lighthearted side, and um, it makes things more fun, and, you know, just gives... um, gives Kathy that reassurance. So I really like, I enjoyed that song. I don't think it's absolutely necessary, mm-hmm. but um, I thought it was fun. And I, I really don't think that there's anything I would have cut. Yeah. I mean, I, I've thought about this a lot of like, you're kind of ranking the songs in terms of how good they are or, you know, in the narrative itself. But you're right. I mean, they all play a very integral part in the plot. They all speak to a different point in their relationships and reveal things about, their interactions with one another. So yeah, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't put anything else um, in there either. I mean, you know, n- numbers that we could do without none of them because they're all very important so- songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Erin, um, let me ask this. What's timeless about this movie? And I mean, I know it came out recently, but I mean, it was also written um, almost, a, I, I guess a decade before the movie came out. Um, what, anything dated or timeless about this film that you kind of caught your eye? I, I'm not sure if there's anything that I can consider really dated. I mean, the show itself is under 20 years old and, you know, compared to, to Carousel and Sound of Music and stuff like that, it's uh, pretty, pretty recent. And mm. um, it's definitely, I think that there, the, the story itself is timeless because there are always going to be people getting into relationships and falling in love. And then there are always going to people be people falling out of love and breaking up. And if you've had a breakup, um, a bad breakup or you fell out of love, you got your heart broken, then it's always going to kind of make sense to those people. Like if, if you've been in that situation, then you get it and it, it, it'll speak to you. So I think that the, the story, I mean, you can adapt it and change it and make it more modern as time goes on, but it's always going to just kind of make sense to the human emotion, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Part of it. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, um, yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, it came out and only came out four years ago. So there's not, you know, when we talk about technology and things that we see in the movie, there's nothing that like, it's not like you've got mail where, you know, you're hearing a dial up modem. You're like, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's dated. <laughs> um, but yeah, not, not, nothing really that. I mean, and to your point, I, mean, I think, yeah, you're right. The storyline and the circumstances between these two characters is a timeless 
thing. I mean, you could have taken this movie and you could have set it in the 1970s and 80s and 90s, and it still would have worked the same way, I think. Um, and also decades from now, if you want to remake this, you know, 30 years from now, um, when, you know, who knows what the, you know, the earth is going to be like then, but yeah, I think a lot of that will still remain the same. I think you're going to see a lot of, of the... Um, same type of themes. I mean, I guess you could say the only dated thing would maybe be, you know, Anna Kendrick playing, you know, Anita in the, in the matinee of West Side Story. I mean, you're probably yeah. not going to see that much you know, happen anymore. Um, <laughs> hopefully, knock on wood. But um, other than that, it was like, yeah, okay, it, it, a lot of this is Thomas. None of it was really dated, I think. And, and uh, as I said before, New York looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, as you know, it's funny, we see these movies that have New York, these movie musicals, and we'll see a lot of them like, a chorus line and a lot of ones that take place during the 1980s, all that jazz where New York is that, that grimy, dirty looking yeah. city that it used to be during that period. But here, obviously that's not the way it is. So again, it's when people see this New York, I think 20 years from now watching this film, um, it's not going to look foreign um, to them, so to speak. So yeah, a lot of time, I, the whole movie's timeless. So there you go. Yeah. Um, as we do with all these podcasts, we've got some awards to give out. Um, and, uh, we have three awards on this podcast. The first is called the Barbara Award, which is given to who we feel is the best singer in the movie. Um, and then we also, on the flip side, have, interestingly enough, the Russell Crowe Award for the worst <laughs> singer uh, in the movie. Named after, of course, Mr. Russell Crowe, who played Javert in Les Mis, the movie, which was absolutely atrocious. Um, and then finally, we also have a third award called the Bumlet Award. Now, Aaron, I have to ask you. Do you know who Bumlet is? No. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so excited to tell you. And and um, you know because we've only done two of these podcasts, I, I don't blame you for not listening to the previous podcast to get the answer. So believe me, um, I was not expecting you to know the answer. But Bumlet <laughs> um, is a character in Newsies, the movie version, the original movie from 1990, uh, starring Christian Bale. And, oh. Yeah, I know. I'm going way back here. Um, and Bumlet was played by an actor named Dominic Lucero, who, if you watch on the number King of New York, he's the guy that's spinning on the fan at the end of the movie, doing a pirouette on the fan and then letting go and doing this perfect like pose at the end where basically he kills it as an ensemble member. And then you can't take your eyes off of him for the rest of the entire movie uh, because he just, <laughs> yeah, he's just one of those guys that just, you know, once you catch his notice, you, you just can't stop looking at him throughout the entire film. So I wanted to name a, uh, basically make an award to give to someone who in the ensemble um, or background or wherever that is just crushing it. That's just like, oh my God, you're incredible. Um, and I can't take my eyes off of you. It could be an ensemble member, supporting cast member, anybody in the movie who is not basically the lead characters. So I know with this film, it's tough because we've got two people in the movie. So, yeah. it, you know, Aaron, did you have like a Barbara or Russell Crowe award in this situation? Oh, that's so not fair. I know, right? <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you. Well, go ahead. I mean, if you have an answer, great. But if not, I have another question for you. Let me let me put it that way. I, I mean, in, in the Broadway style, I guess you could say that Jeremy Jordan has the stronger voice. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be fair to give Anna Kendrick the Russell Crowe award because she was great too. Yeah. So no, exactly. It's, 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 it's a tough it's game. Like, yeah, it's tough. That's a tough one. Well, let me ask you this, Aaron. And this, this again might be, this is also an equally tough um, question. Who wins the movie? Um, when you take a look at vo vocal quality, acting, everything all together, when you look at these two performances, 
I mean, not that we're, you know, asking them to compete with each other, but just for the fun of this podcast, who wins the movie? Oh, Anna Kendrick. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. It, and it's close. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, I, I think this is definitely, if, if someone was to say, what's the best Anna Kendrick movie out there? This has got to be it. I mean. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Anna Kendrick, you win the movie. Um, and I'm hoping that you're, <laughs> as I'm talking to Andrew Kendrick, as if she's listening to this, but. Who knows? Maybe she is. But anyway. She's like a, an almighty being. She always hears things of course, like this. Of course. There you go. <laughs> uh, and this is also, by the way, the second Anna Kendrick movie that we've done in three podcasts. So <laughs> clearly there's a theme here. Um, so the Bumlet Award. Aaron, let me ask you this. Did you see anybody in this in this movie that would qualify for this award? You know, I looked. Uh, I just... It's so hard because the story is just so centered right. on... Um, on Jamie and Kathy that it's, it's hard to like peel your attention away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really have anybody <laughs> that comes to mind. You know, it's funny with me. It was again, same thing. It was tough to try to find people that I'm like, Oh man, like they're, they're really pulling my attention. I mean, obviously Jason Robert Brown, when he's playing the piano right. in the audition scene, like that's pulling my attention because it's Jason Robert Brown. But I mean, the only the only other performance that I thought could qualify for the Bumlet Award, in, at least in my mind, is the woman that plays Elise, the press agent, um, mm-hmm. who it's revealed that he's having an affair with at the end. And it's not that she was... I mean, it's weird because it's not like it was like an amazing performance, but it's one that made me think afterwards because... I don't know if you noticed this. Like, during that song, when you see her come in at the end and they're holding each other, like, she's bawling her eyes out. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't understand why. And I'm I'm sitting there. I'm watching this. I'm like, why is she crying? Like, what does she have to be upset about? Maybe I mean, maybe she feels guilty. But like, what is she so emotional about? As opposed to, I mean, I don't. I don't it was. What did you think of that that scene? Did that? Did you like? Did you notice that? Did you pick up anything on that? Yeah, I picked up on that. Um, I I think. I mean, when you watch the movie through a couple of times, um, you you can get an idea that maybe she and Kathy were friends Mm. because, you know, Mm -hmm. she brings Kathy drinks and stuff and is always, you know, just, you know, asking her questions and bringing her places. And, you know, she's got to, she's got to have a close relationship with both of them. And, um, I think that that puts her in a weird spot because obviously she has an attraction towards Jamie, but she's also probably gotten close to Kathy as well. I mean, she's probably been there for, for, you know, the entirety of the relationship since Jamie got discovered. Right. And, um, I think that if, if you want to put it as like, she feels like she's, you know, betraying someone that is a friend to her. I think that that's, that might be a good reason as to why, you know, as any. Yeah. I mean, it was such an interesting choice and I'm glad, I'm kind of glad they did it that way because it just made me think about that moment more and think more about that character than I probably should have. Um, so yeah, at least in my mind, I'm going to give Elise the Bumlet Award because it was just one of those things where it's like, wow, she really made me think for a long time after that movie was over about what her what was going through there. Um, Aaron, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, now that we're kind of going through a year where uh, the relationship roles of men and women are, 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 I think, I don't think they're changing, but definitely more well-defined and I think that are uh, more vocal and empowered in, in, in different ways. This movie, I think, does a really good job, I think, of not compromising whether it's it's Kathy's um, 
value and things like that. And then also Jamie as well. It's a, it's an interesting movie to watch in 2018 um, to see that it's, it's, it didn't, in terms of the relationship between the two, not a lot of it's dated, um, mm-hmm. and it's like horrendous, like you know, like a, like a Carousel, for instance, or even, oh, yeah. or even like a Sound of Music, where it's just like, oh god, the way they talk to women in that movie. Um, not a lot of that in this movie. I, I think that's a really kind of cool thing. What did you did you pick up on that, uh, up on that as well? I well, it's it just all of it feels very modern, and um, it feels like it could be a real modern relationship that that would happen today, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think that there's definitely um, a level of respect that women in relationships have earned and made for themselves. I think that that's um, translated well through the the screen. And um, I definitely appreciate that that's, you know, in there. And, you know, it doesn't feel like Kathy needs Jamie to survive or, you know, um, you know, be her own woman or whatever. She's, Mm -hmm. she's that on her own. And she was before she met him. And I think that that, you know, it's just a very modern relationship. And, um, it's, it's hard to say, you know, whether it's, it's going to be dated or not, uh, in the future, because you don't know like where we're going, everything's changing all the time, but it's, it's, you know, I, I never felt once that, that Kathy was weaker than Jamie or had less talent or less prospects just because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, the flip works for Jamie as well. Yeah. It, it was, it's just really well done in terms of the relationships and the values and all that stuff. It was, I was really impressed by that. And I remember when this, when I first watched this movie, I actually tweeted the director um, saying that I was like, oh my gosh, like this movie just feels ahead of its time in terms of relationships and things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you picked up on that as well. Um, and that kind of leads into my last question. I mean, do you think this movie should get a remake? I, I think you're going to have a hard time, um, finding an, an audience. Like, like we said in the beginning, um, the show was kind of like a niche show to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you hadn't heard about the show, then you like, if you had heard about it, you were in the know. Um, but it's, it's not like one of those shows that's going to be like done over and over and over again. Like we can, I can imagine that we'll see a new Phantom of the Opera in I about hope. five years or so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like not one of the big Broadway blockbuster shows. So um, I, I don't think it needs a remake. I don't think that you'd be able to find somebody who can top Anna Kendrick's performance. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I think to your point, I mean, the reason why remakes are done is for commercial value or to obviously yeah. improve upon the original piece. And I just, I don't think you, you can do it. I mean, just, there's just with its niche audience, with its limited scope, and then also with the cast that it had. I, yeah. I think you just leave it, leave it alone. I think the fact, yeah. the fact that we have a, a, a Jason Robert Brown uh, movie musical, I think is a amazing you know, accomplishment yeah. when you look at the rest of his work. Um, although I will, I will personally say I, I am crossing my fingers someday for a caris, uh, for a um, uh, gosh, a parade film. Um, parade, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a parade film someday, and I've been envisioning it in my head for a while. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think I think just leave it alone. It is what it is. It did what it did, and obviously it's on Netflix right now. Not to give Netflix a plug, but uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, you can actually go and watch it on Netflix right this second. So yeah. um, you should definitely do that. Um, Erin, thank you so much. This was well, thank you for having. This me. was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, you are very good at this. So, oh, thank um, you. 
Number one, um, I'm definitely going to have you back on as a co-host of these in the future. Uh, but also, you should definitely be thinking about doing your own podcast because honestly, you're very good at this. Um, Thank you so much. And you know, as I'm I'm doing my like aside hand to the face gesture here, but if you ever want to do one and launch it on a certain network, you can certainly launch it on ours. <laughs> if you want right. to, there you go. Um, off to the side there. But anyway, um, real quick before we go, anything that you want to plug mention stuff that you're involved with um any like where can people find you on social networks things like that shoot go ahead okay so if you want to if you want to find me on social media i uh, am on instagram as aaron underscore shaughnessy and on twitter i'm aaron underscore nessie because shaughnessy was too long um <laughs> uh but anyway uh i'm not doing anything right now i'm kind of in a little bit of a lull I have a lot of auditions coming up, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, follow me if you want to see what I'm up to. There you go. I'm always doing something. <laughs> Excellent. And as these auditions pop up and uh, knock on wood that you get all the roles that you're going for, um, when you're coming back on this podcast, we can talk about those productions as well. So there you go. Um, of course, you can find us at Onstage Blog on all of the social networks on Twitter, um, Facebook and Instagram. It's all on stage blog, one word as well. But thank you so much for joining us tonight um, to listen to Aaron and I talk about a movie that um, I guess it just it just pops up a lot of great conversation. It just brings up a lot of great conversation and topics to talk about. I could talk about this movie for three hours, but I don't want to keep you folks <laughs> listening for that long, and I don't want to keep Aaron on the line all that long either. But thank you again, uh, and we will see you here right next week uh, with another movie musical i'm not going to tell you which one it is yet because it'll be a secret but um really excited to be doing it and i i, I will leak that it is holiday related so there you go that's that's Ooh. your one that's your one leak that you get there. but <laughs> um and aaron of course will be back on future podcasts as well but thank you so much folks this has been the movie musical shakedown and we will see you next week have a good night Did I just hear an alarm start ringing? Did I see sirens go flying past? I've got a singular impression things are moving too fast. Pretty good, right? I've never been more attracted to you. I could wander Paris.